Welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we're going to explore Lunasaw and the Wheel of the Year. So one way that I like to connect with the seasons and the cycles of the earth and holidays like Lunasaw is by tuning into the Wheel of the Year. And this is a relatively new practice for me, but I'm really finding this journey into exploring this way of being in flow with nature and with the seasons to be an enjoyable one, and I'd like to invite you to join me. So we will dive into that a bit more as well into the specifics of the holiday of Lunasaw, also called Lamas, in just a little bit. But before we get started with our main topic, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Anna, and Anna says, have you ever met Naisha Asian in person? I believe she now uses the name Samaya. So I have not met Naisha in person, face-to-face, but I have taken some distance learning courses with her that were done, um, I think it was like by audio, like it was like a call-in thing, almost like a teleseminar, and then I did another one that was online that was video-based, um, and then I also have corresponded with her by email a number of times. Uh, Naisha is the co-author of the Book of Stones, in my opinion, has written the useful half of the Book of Stones, um, and she's quite lovely and has been a teacher of crystals and crystal healing for many years quite amazing. Um, And she's also the creator of the Crystal Ally Cards, the Evolution Edition, which is a book and card set that is basically oracle cards with crystals. And yeah, personally, I've always had pretty good experiences with Naisha. Um, Anna also says that they struggle with all the properties described for each crystal and being different from author to author. And this is something I can definitely relate to, Anna. I remember when I first started my crystal journey being really confused by this. Like, well, why does this book say this about amethyst, but this other book says something totally different? And I learned over time, it's because many authors pull in different sources of information. So some authors channel their information or record channeled information from other sources. So most authors are gathering these qualities or associated properties of crystals from, like I said, channeled sources, but they can also be from historical sources, from personal experience, from their experience working with clients or colleagues or friends, um, from things that come through intuitively through meditation or dream work. There are so many ways that these crystal properties are gathered. And so although these sources can be really helpful and great starting points and jumping off points 
for looking at crystals through a more logical type of lens, it's also really important for you to put your own personal story behind each crystal and its energy. And in a short time, I don't have an exact date for you yet, but in a short time, I'll actually be releasing a new free training for everyone about ways to connect with your crystals. And it's going to be focused precisely on this struggle that I think so many of us have when it comes to connecting with crystal energy and, you know, reconciling all these differing opinions and thoughts about specific stones. So it will teach you how to really connect and tune into each crystal yourself. So I hope that helps Anna. And Anna also asks a question to cleanse crystals. Is it possible to do this with a channeled diagram or template? For example, if you place or lay a crystal in the diagram, I ask this because I also use this method and the diagram that I use is from a person I consider to be really trustworthy. Well, Anna, again, it really comes down to your personal experience. If you find that you've found, you know, some sort of template or base or sacred geometry shape that you feel is really connected with cleansing and that um, you're placing the crystal on this symbol and that it helps to clear the energy, uh, then listen to that. That's, I would say, not a super common way to cleanse crystals, um, but that doesn't make it invalid. You know, really trust your experience and if it works for you, if you feel comfortable with it, then definitely give it a try. Um, I would say you may want to do a little comparison, a little research, and try a few other cleansing methods that would be appropriate to use, like maybe some sound cleansing or cleansing with water or salt, something like that, and just compare and contrast and see how each of those methods works, what's convenient, what feels um, like it's doing a good job, and then go from there in your practice and see what really um stands out and seems like it makes the most sense for you. And Anna's final question is, in your first years of business, did you struggle to spread and reach people? So Anna, yeah, I mean, starting any type of new venture isn't usually very easy. And I feel like we're so often told that, you know, success happens overnight or success happens through hard work. And here's the thing. that's really kind of a false narrative. Success happens through luck or through privilege or through some hard work sometimes. I don't think that that is the sole factor to success. In fact, I know that to not be true. Um, But I think it's kind of a combination. It's a combination of our circumstances, our situation, um, the work that we're doing, of time, of maybe meeting the right people or having the right encounters. It's so hard to pinpoint any one thing that really contributes to, you know, a a business growing because it truly is a combination of so many factors that I don't know that it would be even possible to narrow down. But yeah, I mean, I definitely struggled the first few years in my business. And, you know, I have done a lot of different things and still do a number of different things. So, um, you know, when I first started, I was a student um, 
and had a career in botany and was starting to do crystal healing sessions part-time and then thought, well, maybe that's something I could expand into full-time. felt scary. But for me, you know, just making like a big leap like that, a big jump, didn't feel right. I, you know, I couldn't, first of all, financially afford to do that. There was, there was no way at that time in my life that I would have been able to do anything like that. I mean, to say I was living paycheck to paycheck would be a stretch. I was living paycheck not quite to the next paycheck. Um, So I didn't have the option or the ability of like taking a leap of faith and trying to start a business without having another job or something like that. And some people do that and it works for them and that's cool. Like if that works for you, that's great. But for me, I knew that I still needed that security of like needed to know I was going to be able to pay rent, needed to know I was going to be able to put food on the table. And, you know, that meant for me working a lot of extra hours because I was trying to start a business on the side while still needing a regular job. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it definitely was a struggle. Um, I don't know that I'd exactly recommend that path to everyone either. It's like you just got to weigh your options and see what works for you because that was hard in terms of like not having any rest, working way too much, dealing with a lot of burnout. There are so many paths for us to take and there's no one right way to do anything in this world. So the biggest thing that I would say is, Anna, if you're looking at, you know, growing a business, at reaching new people, trust yourself in your instincts, right? Because you know what your ultimate end goal and vision for yourself are, but also don't be afraid to ask for support, ask for help in any place that you can. And again, I realize that that's going to be different for each and every person, the support sources that we have available. Um, but do your best to ask for that help because, you know, again, contrary to popular belief, nobody does this on their own. No one is like a self-made person. There's, there's no such thing as that. It's like we all somewhere along the way have some help, um, whether that's someone maybe opening the door to a new opportunity we wouldn't have had or, you know, giving us great advice or just listening and supporting us. There, there's so many different forms and ways that this support comes through, but I feel like, you know, one thing I've learned over the years for sure is that being rooted and engaged in community is the best way to grow. So I hope that helps you and thank you so much for your great questions. So again, if you have questions that you'd like for me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com slash ask. The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. And now it's time for us to dive into our main topic for today, Lunasaw and the Wheel of the Year. So as I mentioned earlier, the Wheel of the Year is a tool that can help you tune into the natural cycles of 
the world. And it helps you kind of internalize these outward changes in nature as reflections for your own growth that you experience in your life. So when you can live in harmony with the seasons and the natural ebb and flow, it helps you lead a more soulful life and cultivate a deeper understanding of yourself on a soul level, or at least that's what it's done for me over this past few years. So the wheel of the year helps you really recognize who you are and your role as as part of a whole, you know, speaking of community really helps you appreciate your role in community. So what is the wheel of the year exactly? It's a calendar system that's separated into eight main holidays, and it represents the seasonal cycles that focus on the four solar holidays of the year, which are called the quarter days. And these stem from Anglo-Saxon cultural observations of the solstices and equinoxes, and then the wheel of the year uses the addition of four Gaelic agrarian seasonal celebrations, which are the midpoints between these solar holidays, that are known as the lunar cross-quarter days, or the fire festivals. So although some of the holidays observed in the Wheel of the Year are quite old, the Wheel of the Year as a whole concept, as a whole calendar, is fairly modern. It was actually developed as part of a Wiccan system of belief in the 1950s. And although I don't personally follow the tradition that created the contemporary Wheel of the Year, I do find it a helpful way to think about the passage of time and what's happening at each time of year. And so I've been diving into these eight different holidays and their historical identifiers, if there are any, their cultural context, and it's been very interesting. So through that journey and through my own personal spiritual journey of trying to kind of reclaim my own heritage, my own ancestral spiritual beliefs, I personally tend to identify more with the Gaelic cross-quarter days, like Lunasaw, um, than I do with the Anglo-Saxon solstices and equinoxes, but I do still really value these quarter days because they do more closely align with the seasons as I observe them where I live in Wisconsin since I don't live in Ireland or Britain. So for this reason, the seasonal markers are just as important for helping me feel connected to what's happening in nature all year long, while the cross-quarter days like Lunasaw hold more spiritual significance for me in other ways. So let's actually dig into Lunasaw a little bit. This is the third of the cross-quarter days in the year, which marks the first harvest, the first of three. It's the midpoint between Litha, the summer solstice, and Mabon, the autumn equinox. So it's commonly celebrated on August 1st each year here in the Northern Hemisphere, or if you are in the Southern Hemisphere observing this holiday, you would probably recognize it on February 1st because it would be more aligned with your seasons that way. Um, But although it's commonly celebrated on August 1st, it can really be celebrated anytime between July 31st through August 2nd. Lunasaw is the time of the first major harvest of the year out of three in total, the second being Mabon at the autumnal equinox, and the final harvest being Samhain as we move into that really dark part of the year. Um, It's also called the Witch's New Year because it's the end of one cycle and the beginning of another. 
Lunasaz, also sometimes known as Lamas in the modern pagan calendar, which we'll talk about a little bit later, actually comes from some Anglo-Saxon words uh, meaning loaf mass because it has to do with bread and grain and the harvest. So because I always connect everything with crystals, um, have a list of crystals for you that I feel like the energies really complement what is happening and being celebrated right now at Lunasaw, this time of the first harvest. So there's green aventurine for abundance and prosperity, red calcite for its connection with gratitude and selflessness. There's black onyx for protection and grounding, yellow aventurine for nourishment and support, um, with physical nourishment that sustains us, rutilated smoky quartz, which is great for bringing kind of an energizing element that helps us um, celebrate and really be tapped into the earth. There's also epidote, which is great for cleansing and growth, malachite, which is perfect for self-love and nurturing, citrine, which, you know, think of the beautiful golden color of citrine. I can't think of anything that would represent the beautiful color of wheat and corn and grain this time of year. There's also mahogany obsidian, which is super earthy, peridot, which is both protective and assists with growth, amber, which I think is um, so closely representative of the energy of fall. Amber has this way of kind of embodying coziness and warmth. And although we often turn to amber at the time of Litha, the summer solstice, representing the light of the sun, the amber that I use later in the autumn, starting at Lunasa and moving into Samhain, is more about drawing out those last little embers of warmth from the sun as we move to the end of the year. There's also golden tiger's eye for strength and courage and protection, carnelian for the fertility and abundance of the land, clear quartz for celebratory energy, moss agate for growth and recognizing the abundance of the harvest, prenite for clearing out old energies, Garden quartz, which is also sometimes called shamanic dream quartz. It's a quartz with inclusions of chlorite and lodolite. This is such a grounding stone, such a nurturing and supportive stone, and really helps us tap into the energy of the earth. There's also peach moonstone, which really embodies the energy of the feminine, the energy of the divine feminine of harvest, nurturing, abundance. There's also red tiger's eye, which brings in divine masculine. It brings in some strength and protection and courage. Plus imperial topaz, another one similar to amber that really calls forward that warmth that nurtures the land, that helps turn the energy of the sun into a bountiful harvest, into something that can nurture and sustain and support us throughout the darker half of the year. There's also sardonyx, which has a long connection with grounding and physical health, golden quartz, which again, super, super nurturing, and black obsidian to represent this is truly, although the first part of the harvest, the beginning of the end of this cycle of the year. 
So you'll see a lot of really specific themes here. Lunasa signifies the time for abundance, the first fruits, for bounty. It's also a time to honor the ancestors, although not quite so much as we think of with a holiday like Samhain. It's also a time for gratitude, growth, for gathering. It's about protection and strength and warmth. It's also obviously a time to celebrate the harvest, but it's also a time for generosity, for joy, for blessings, and to honor the land. It's a time for us to connect with family, to enjoy the fruits of our labor and reaping prosperity. It's about plentifulness and fruitfulness and our success, but it's also about balancing that with selflessness. It's also a time for celebration, prosperity, thankfulness, and change. So why celebrate Lunasa? Why is it important to recognize this day? Well, it celebrates the first fruits of the labor that was put into tending the earth, and it represents reaping the bounty of the hard work that was done and celebrating the bounty of the land, celebrating that this was a co-creative and communal act with the land. And at this time of year, summer berries are plentiful. They could be gleaned from the land and the first of the grain harvest could be turned into nourishing bread. So this day captures the best of what is yet to come, the beginning of the harvest season, the season of abundance and a celebration of community effort. So how might we celebrate Lunasa as modern humans living in very different community structures? Well, feasts are a common way to celebrate any holiday, but especially Lunasa's, it's a time for harvest and feasting. You might also want to bake a loaf of bread, especially something like cornbread or wheat bread, enjoy eating it, and then also leave a very small piece on the land as an offering to the earth, a giving back and thankfulness for the bounty of the grain harvest that nourishes and sustains us. You might want to try creating a magical ink out of some seasonal berries. You could even infuse this with crystals and use it to write a magical gratitude list to celebrate the season. Mulberries are great for this if you still have some uh, on your trees, but you can also work with and experiment with any types of berries. You could try blueberries, gooseberries, bilberries, raspberries, grapes, whatever you can find that would be safe to work with. If you have a garden, or if you've grown any food or herbs, you can harvest anything that's ready while holding space for gratitude, while actively um, and with awareness giving thanks for the food that you're harvesting. This is also, like I said, a time to connect with family and friends. So if it is safe, you can hold a safe, socially distanced, responsible, small gathering with family or friends. You may want to do that to celebrate. You might also want to share your favorite recipes. So you can connect with your family and your friends and collect important recipes, uh, recipes that have been passed down in your family or just some favorites in a book or a binder. Or maybe you even make this an electronic file that everyone can access and prepare something using these recipes for a Lunasaw feast, or really any time that you want to connect with this idea of abundance and connection and community, turning to that guide of recipes and preparing some of those things with love and appreciation for those who've shared them. 
You can also pick or buy a bouquet of flowers for your home or your altar, especially sunflowers, yarrow, or calendula. You might also want to try your hand at crafting something special. This is a time for recognizing um, what we can really accomplish and achieve and create with our own hands. So especially something like weaving or metalwork, it's the perfect time to make new magical tools. You might also want to try making or eating jam made with your favorite seasonal berries. You could enjoy a glass of beer or ale, responsibly of course, um, and pour just a little bit onto the earth as an offering of gratitude, recognizing that beer and ale are made with that grain, that same nourishing and sustaining and supportive grain that creates our bread. You may want to dance or play music. You could also bake some oatmeal cookies, that nice grain of the oat, and share some with friends or family or neighbors or coworkers. You could have a picnic on a hilltop. Um, there is some evidence to suggest that celebrations on hilltops were common in pre-Christian times as a way to celebrate Lunasaw, though little is known what may have been done there. You may also want to enjoy an evening bonfire, of course, being safe and cautious. You could harvest or buy some herbs and use them for making a little magic. Maybe create your own tea blends out of edible herbs or create an herbal bath for yourself out of herbs that would be safe for that. Or even dry some herbs and save them for later in the year. Harvest them and dry them or purchase them on Lunasaw. Charge them up on your altar and kind of tap into the magic of the day. You can also create your own rowan branch cross from rowan twigs and red string for protection and hang it above the front door of your home. This is a very traditional protective talisman and it's still used today. You can make a garland of berries and wear it to represent abundance. Um, there's some evidence that this was a very traditional thing to do at this time of year. And in fact, bilberries were most commonly used. Um, I did this myself this year to celebrate, but since I did not have any bilberries at hand, I used blueberries instead. Uh, if you didn't want to wear this because you don't want to ruin your clothing, you can also hang it in your home or place it on your altar for the day. If you're able, you might want to try setting up an area outside with any extra homegrown vegetables or herbs or flowers or fruits to share with your neighbors or give them away to anyone who passes by as a gesture of abundance and community. Um, I wasn't able to set up a table to do this, so instead I took some paper grocery bags and I filled them with some extra zucchini and patty pan squash and onions and garlic and herbs and flowers from my garden. Um, and I bundled the flowers with a little twine and set them in a mason jar with a tiny bit of water because it's so hot here right now. And I took them and left them on the front porches of my neighbors with just a cute little note. Um, so sharing that abundance of the harvest season. You may also want to try volunteering at a local community garden. You could help with weeding or garden cleanup. There are usually quite a lot of projects this time of year. Um, I know it can be hot, so just make sure you're staying hydrated and you know always get permission if you're going to work in someone's garden. But there are frequently community gardens or public areas where they're always looking for volunteers to help. 
You could also create a special Lunasaw altar incorporating some of the corresponding elements that I talk about here in this podcast episode in terms of colors or crystals or deities or herbs. And finally, you can tie a small ribbon made of natural materials as best to a fruit tree or some sort of food plant, again, that you would have permission to do this with, as a way to give thanks to the land for the abundance that it shares with us all. It's a token of gratitude. So next, let's look at some Lunasaw gods and goddesses. So we have the Greek deities Hestia, Demeter, Persephone, and Gaia that are often revered at this time of year. We have the Roman deities Abundantia, Ceres, and Vesta. The Celtic deities Carmen, Lu, Danu, Damara, Sulis, Elin, Maka, the Morrigan, and Bran. The Christian St. Helen. The Welsh Caridwin, Bloodwood, and Arianrod. And from the Avalonian Priestess Path, Morgan, Glatonia, and Kerr. Now, I do want to go back to the Celtic god Lu that I mentioned. Now, though some sources claim Lunasaw to be an ancient holiday associated with the god Lu, this correlation seems to be quite modern. And in fact, a lot of the old Irish words for this time of year seem to align more with words that represent harvest time than specifically with the god Lu. The Irish Gaelic, for example, is Lunasaw, spelled L-U-N-A-S-A, which really meant more like the August month or the time of August. And we see similar words in Scots Gaelic, so different spellings, but also Lunasaw, and variations of this as well in Manx Gaelic, as well as coming from the Isle of Man. Nonetheless, because of the modern association, it still can be a great time of year to connect with the god Lu. There are also a number of Lunasaw symbols that you can incorporate onto your altar space and into any celebrations or ceremonies that you'd like to do this time of year. So some common symbols are bread, wheat, squash, pears, all types of farm animals, gorse, which is a type of prickly bush found in Ireland, Britain, Scotland, and Wales. There's the rabbit and the hare, ale and beer, boar, stag or deer, blueberries, corn, owls, butter, ivy vines, aster flowers, the symbol of the spear and the shield, which are connected with the god Lu, poppy pods, ash trees, woad, which is a type of herb that can be turned into a dye for cloth, the horse and mare, the bull and cow, hawks, apples and apple branches, bilberries, as I mentioned earlier, the rowan branch cross talisman, the sun, grain, crane birds, salmon, a staff, wine and mead, goats and sheep, corn flowers, holly leaves, otters, a bowline and sickle, which were used commonly for harvesting herbs and medicines, woven cloth, squirrels, foxes, hazelnuts, elderberry wine, red sandalwood, marigolds, sunflowers, gooseberries, frankincense resin, 
oak trees and heather ale, which was a type of ale um, made in Scotland from the tips of heather flowers. And there's some interesting mythology and lore surrounding heather ale that um, I won't go into here, but I will encourage you to explore these stories because they're quite interesting. There are also some herbs that are associated with Lunasa, some of them because they would have been available to the people of Ireland, Scotland, and the British Isles, or herbs that have more modern or magical associations that are in alignment with the energies of Lunasa. So you can work with things like dill, calendula, basil, blackberry leaf, heather, borage, fennel, hops, meadowsweet, ginseng, cinnamon, garlic, nettles, fenugreek, rose petals, allspice, common garden sage, yarrow, bay, vervain, patchouli, and rosemary. And the way that I work with most of these is just to use them as an offering on my altar. But there are some that are edible, Um, Of course, always be safe, do your research, know what you're working with, and you could use these for blending your own special teas or baking them into breads, or even incorporating them into a Lunasaw feast. There are some colors traditionally associated with Lunasaw, including orange, tan, yellow, brown, gold, and dark green, and you could use these in the form of some ritual candles on your altar or even in the color of your altar cloth. Now, Lunasaw is also known as, or is related loosely to, a few other holidays and traditional celebrations, including the First Harvest and the Feast of Bread, Lamas, August Eve, the Feast of the First Fruits, Lamb's Mass, the Feast of Augustus, Loaf Mass Day, Bilberry Sunday, the Feast of the Dryads, Mary Mass, and many more. If you'd like a complete list as well as some suggested reading to learn even more about Lunasaw, this beautiful celebration of the first harvest, head over to the website at loveandlightschool.com blog. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, the Love and Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way. Well, I hope that you found a lot of value in today's show, and if you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, of course, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. 
And I want to give a big shout out to Jenny Playful Wolf, who says, I love listening to Ashley's podcast. I really look forward to Ashley's podcast and pondering all the information she presents. She speaks with a very open mind and is not pushy with her ideas. I find myself engaged in conversations, frequently dropping her name and talking about topics I have learned from her show. Keep up the interesting, great work you're doing. Many blessings, Jennifer D. Jennifer, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to write that beautiful review for the show. It really helps other listeners to find us, especially on iTunes. But if you want to listen on another platform or take a look at some of our most popular episodes, as well as most recent episodes, you can head over to loveandlightschool.com listen. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you in our next episode. Until then, crystal blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at Love and Light School. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition, prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.